0: So um, tonight, if you wonder why we're all wearing jerseys, tonight is hype's favorite team night. Um, so thank you for participating. I see a lot of jerseys being worn. Um, I only see oh, someone's got two different teams representing. There you go. I I know Bears won today. Did the Packers? What happened? Oh oh, we're not we're we're not going to talk about the Packers. Okay okay okay. Um, so, I honestly didn't know. I apologize to any Green Bay people here at Hype. Um, but thank you for participating in that. Uh, There's a reason for that. Uh, We're in the middle of a series called Spiritual Training as we explore the spiritual disciplines. And tonight is the discipline of corporate worship. In corporate worship, we're going to be exploring this theme of unity and teamwork. So, it was appropriate that we... Represented the teams that um, we uh, are fans of. So, for me, uh, to explain my jersey, if you don't know what Moody Archers is, it's the Moody Bible Institute, the college that I played basketball for uh, and went to college at. Uh, this is one of my practice jerseys that they allowed us to keep. So, um, I know it's not the, it doesn't have the Cardinals or the Bears or the eye logo or anything local, but um, it's the jersey that I and I wanted to wear. So um uh, that explains kind of why I wore this one. Um is there any other I see some Morton Potters. The one of the best jerseys that I saw that wasn't like a professional sports teams was the Harry Potter jersey that Matt wore. I think it was last year. It was phenomenal. I I, I was really hoping you'd wear it again, but it's okay. Hey you're repping cross point. It's fine. Okay, so um tonight is the spiritual discipline of uh, corporate worship. But can someone tell me what spiritual discipline we went over two weeks ago? Which spiritual discipline did we go over two weeks ago? Max. We went over fasting. Yes. Um, Come find me afterwards. I'll give you uh, something from the snack bar. So uh, we went over fasting two weeks ago. And um, tonight, like I said, is corporate worship. And I want to start off tonight's lesson by telling a story. A story um, about a U.S. fighter jet pilot. A U.S. fighter jet pilot by the name of Charles Plum. He was a a pilot in Vietnam. uh, And he uh, completed over 75 different mission uh, assignments. And after the 75th one, uh, he was actually shot down. Plum uh, uh, ejected and he parachuted. Um, over enemy territory, and he ended up landing in enemy hands. He spent six years in a Vietnamese prison. After six years was over, uh, he comes back stateside. After the, the Vietnam conflict was happening, he came back stateside. And one day, um, random day, a man came up to him. A random stranger said, you're plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft Kitty Hawk, and you were shot down. Now, Plum, not knowing who in the world this guy is, was kind of confused, and he asked the man, how do you know who I am and what happened to me? And the stranger said, I packed your parachute. The man then shook his hand and said, I guess it worked. And Plum assured him and said, if it hadn't worked, I wouldn't have been here standing in front of you shaking your hand. And in that moment, in that interaction, Plum had this thought in his, in his mind. It said, you know, this stranger held the fate of someone he did not know. He held it in his hands. And he kept pondering how many times uh, that he has seen this guy and maybe not even said anything because Plum, you know, being a, a fighter jet pilot, someone who is high in ranking, and the other guy just being some strange sailor on the boat. And so this, this concept kind of stuck with uh, Charles Plum, and Charles Plum actually now um, well, it was, it was a big motivational speaker, telling his stories to hundreds, and after sharing his story to audiences, he always asks them this question, who is packing your parachute? Who is packing your parachute? And I would also ask the question of whose parachute are you packing? Whose parachute are you packing? You know, see, in, in our life, it might be school-related, might be work-related, might be sports team-oriented-related. You know, there are many people that are packing your proverbial parachutes, people that are making an impact in your life and people whose lives, hopefully, that you're also making an impact in. So whether you know it or not, There are people around you who have helped you to where you are currently at today in your life, and whether you're aware aware of it or not, it would be very difficult to live a life alone, not receiving any help from others. We need to have other people in our life, and we are also called to help other people. We need others to help pack our proverbial, quote-unquote, parachute And we also need to be packing other people's parachutes. So this idea of needing others in our life is what we're going to be talking about in the spiritual discipline of corporate worship, corporate worship. So when we're going through these spiritual disciplines, we usually have the same flow. We say what we're talking about, and then we usually ask the question, well, what is it? What is the spiritual discipline that we're talking about? So what is corporate worship? According to Acts 2, 41 through 42, uh, teaches us a little bit about what corporate worship looks like. So we're going to jump around a lot, but this is the first verse that we're going to be looking at this evening. So uh, Acts 2, verse 41 through 42 says this. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So, from this passage, we see a couple of things regarding corporate worship. One, in this passage, we see that 3,000 people were added to the early church in the account of Acts. 3,000. That's like half the town of Eureka. I don't know if you've been here on a Sunday morning at Cross Point, but we average maybe around 250, 275, somewhere in that area. That's more than 10 times the average attendance of people that come here on a Sunday morning. It's a lot of people. So, 3,000. So, you can almost see that like this might have been like a like a big church. This was a mega church. Um, and, and what was this mega church, this 3,000 people early church doing on a consistent daily basis? They were devoting themselves to the teaching of God's Word. They were praying. They were practicing fellowship and the sacraments of baptism and communion. Now, another... Passage that talks about corporate worship is found in the letter of Colossians. Colossians 3 15 through 17 says this And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the God, to God the Father through Him. So, from these two passages, we see five main elements of what encapsulates corporate worship. Five elements of corporate worship. And so, we talked about the reading and teaching of God's Word. We mentioned that prayer from the section in Acts and Fellowship. And then Colossians adds this other one that was not an accent. It was musical worship, the singing of songs, and then we still see the sacraments of baptism and communion. Those are the the elements that make up corporate worship. Now, each of these elements of corporate worship has a purpose. It's just not random. It's just not things to throw in there for things for us to do. They serve for a purpose, and that purpose is to unify Each one of us. So think about the the reading or teaching of God's word. How does that unify believers? It unifies us that it teaches that we all are sinful and that we are all in need of a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. What about praying? How how does praying unify us? Praying unifies believers, and that it shows that we are dependent on God and that we submit to God as Lord over our lives. Well, what about fellowship? What about what? What does fellowship unify us? Fellowship unifies believers in that when fellowship happens, I know that's a big word. I'm going to break it down. When fellowship happens, we are encouraging one another and listening to how God is working in other people's lives. So think about fellowship as having a conversation with someone else, someone that uh, you, you, you've run into and you're you're talking to, you might be sitting by them in church on a Sunday morning, and fellowship happens when you ask them, hey, how are you doing? How is God working in your life? Can I share with you a prayer request of mine? Can I pray for you? Can you please pray for me? When those conversations are happening, that's what we call fellowship. We're sharing how God is working in our lives and listening to how God is working in other people's lives. Four, Musical worship unifies believers as we sing together, proclaim the praises of God that he is worthy of. And fifth, the sacraments of baptism and communion. For us, baptism happens when you proclaim that you have a relationship with Jesus. It's not the act of baptism that saves you, but it's a rather an outward symbol of an inward change that baptism is. And communion is something that we take here at Cross Point once a month at, uh, on Sunday morning. Usually the first Sunday of the month, and it shows us as a body of believers that we are dependent on Jesus, that we are saved through his blood and through his body and sacrifice. We confess Jesus as Lord of our lives. And so baptism and communion unifies us, is that we can all proclaim, Hey, I was once dead, and now I'm alive, and I'm remembering that I'm alive in Christ because of the sacrifice that He gave us. So and it's because each section of corporate worship unifies us that shows the importance of why we engage in corporate worship. So this, if you've been here before, we say what it is, and then we say why it's important. Because if we get just stuck on the what it is, it can be kind of overheads, kind of boring, frankly, and have no idea why it's important for us to listen to a lesson like this tonight. So why is corporate worship important? So... To answer this question, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6, says this. Therefore, I, the prisoner and the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of your calling you have received, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all, through all and in all. So from this passage, we see the the answer to to our question of why corporate worship is important. It's because believers are unified in Christ that we should be engaging in corporate worship. Paul uses this illustration in Ephesians. He says the body— he uses the illustration of a human body. Now, raise your hand if you've ever been on a team, because this kind of translates. Like, if you've ever been on a sports team, let's say you've ever participated in a play, you're in band, you've participated in some sort of team group activity that you've been a part of. Okay, thank you. You put your hands down. I think most of us have we know what that feels like and what goes on during that kind of activity. Now, so when Paul uses the term, body it shows unity if you're on a sports team you hope to be unified as a team to win games if you're part of a band or part of a play you hope that your group is unified to perform well right if you're on a sports team if you're on a football team can you skip practices and just show up to games will the coach allow you to just play in a game if you've never made a single practice he will that's not a great coach. Lane, can, can you, varsity player, can you start a varsity game without going to any practice? No. A good coach will not allow you to do that, right? You're going to have to practice at least once, get to know the team a little bit, right? No. if you're on a team and someone you've never met shows up to a game to play with you, you're kind of confused, right? You're like, what are, you, what are you doing here? You haven't put the practice, you haven't practiced with our team, you haven't trained with us, How can I trust you? And we don't even know who you are. If I'm a quarterback and an offensive lineman just walks in randomly on a game, am I going to trust him to protect me? No. No. You've never never practiced with him. You have no idea what his talents are. You have no idea how to play with him. It's a bad, bad coaching play. If you're part of a band or a play, can you skip all the practices? and just show up for the concert or the performance? No. No, you can't do that at all. Now, I want to compare being part of a sports team, band, or play to be part of a local church. I want to bring this back to corporate worship, because corporate worship is like practice for the local church. Corporate worship is a place where you are reminded of of why you are unified. It's designed to be a place to encourage believers to continue to be unified in glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. For believers, the game or the concert or the performance is not what happens on a Sunday morning at church, but rather how, what, what happens outside of church, how you live your entire lives. For the believer, the game is, is really how you live your life when you're not really gathered with the church. It's those Monday through Saturday days when you're not gathered on Sunday. That's really the game. Sunday morning is a practice where you're encouraged, where you're reminded to be unified. It's a practice to go live that out then in in the world. So just like how practice is crucial for teams, bands, or plays, corporate worship is also important for believers. Corporate worship is more than just a good idea for believers to gather, but corporate worship, rather, is a mark of a true follower of Jesus. And we see this concept of uh, worship being a mark of a true follower. We see this in two passages, and the first one is Hebrews ten twenty-four through 25. Hebrews ten twenty-four says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. And then Matthew 12, 13, this is Jesus talking in response to the Pharisees. He says, anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. And so from these two passages, what we see um, from these passages is that gathering together, or what we call corporate worship, is something that true believers do. Now, don't get it wrong. Just because you might attend church on a Sunday morning or corporate worship does not make you a Christian. Only confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life makes you a genuine Christian follower of Jesus. In other words, you don't attend church to gain salvation, but rather you should want to attend attend church because you already have salvation. You already have a relationship with Jesus. That's why it should motivate you to gather with other believers, to be unified with other believers. So, that's kind of the, the what, the why, and now we get practical. How to practice corporate worship. What does this actually look like to practice corporate worship with gathering with other believers? Number one, and this is my only point, so we're almost done, so pay attention. You regularly attend and engage in a church worship service. You regularly attend and engage in a church worship service. Now, let me unpack this statement, because there's a lot to unpack in that one sentence. One, what does it mean to regularly attend? So, let's say this. Regularly attend is your you're in attendance, right? You're actually going to the worship service on a Sunday morning at a church, right? But what about you might be thinking, Pastor Kent, but what if my schedule doesn't allow me to go to a worship service? What if I don't go on Sunday? Whether what if I go to a church service that's on Saturday? That's fine. What if you're like my what if I work on Sundays? Maybe you're some of you high schoolers, you have a job. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, I had a job that made me work Sundays. I I had to work. I worked in a nursing home, and they made me work on Sundays because, you know, nursing homes never stop. So, um, what what about then, Kent? What, What about then? What if my job takes me away from regularly attending a church service? Then my my challenge to you is to go find a body of believers to regularly attend something, whether it's a small group Bible study, maybe it's a, an FCA meeting or something. That's how you can gather and be unified with other believers, but you need to be gathering with other believers, right? Maybe you're like, Kent, my parents don't take us to church on Sunday morning. I might want to go, but my parents may not want to go. You know, something like this is a a way for you to engage regularly in a body of believers. Now, just because you attend, what does it mean to engage? Because we're going to break this a little bit further. What does it mean to engage? What is the difference between just attending and engaging? I can sit in a worship service on Sunday morning and not sing. I can sit and not pay attention at all. I can be In a seat and be talking to someone else the entire time, not listening at all to what the scripture reading was, to what the teaching is, to not even knowing what songs we're singing. I can sit and I can technically attend, but I'm not engaging, right? Maybe you're also like, can't, but what if, you know, I'm not that good of a singer? Well, then I want you to engage with the lyrics. I want you to look at the lyrics, listen to the music, and at least let those lyrics impact you. To listen to the truth and to focus on what those lyrics are telling you. You might be like, Kent, it's really hard to sit and listen for 25 minutes and not talk at all to someone next to me. And then my challenge is to you is to maybe move away from somebody who's distracting you so that you can engage, remove the distractions, so you can engage to what is being said. So not just attending, but regularly attending and engaging. Now, what 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 about the specific of a church worship service? It says to regularly attend and engage in a church worship service. Newsflash: Hype Student Ministries is not a church. I know. I don't know if you know that or not, but we are part of a church called CrossPoint Community Church. Um, But we ourselves as a student ministry are not a church. We're part of our local church, but we ourselves are not our own church. And so what the difference is, is do you see baptisms or communion happening at Hype? No. We're not a church. We don't do baptisms here. We don't do communion. That is reserved for Sunday morning when the whole church is gathered together. So when the phrase says, engage in a church worship service, Again, it kind of goes back to regularly attending. If you can, please make the effort to engage in a big church, like large Sunday morning gathering like what we have here on Sunday mornings. Because there's something that happens on a Sunday morning that doesn't happen on a Sunday night. So all this, there's a lot there of like what the practical point is. I I want, I want to use this illustration. When we talk about spiritual training and spiritual disciplines, especially corporate worship, can I train one day a week, if I'm trying to get in shape, can I train one day a week and it be beneficial for my body? Yes. Is it the most beneficial for my body? No. What would be the most beneficial for my body, Landon? Because you seem like work out more, right? Like what, five days a week? Six days a week? you got to have rest day, right? So six days a week, ideally. So if I worked out six days a week, that would be the best training, the most beneficial training for my body, right? One day a week is still beneficial, but not as beneficial as the six days of training. So when we talk about spiritual training and spiritual disciplines that help us train spiritually, what's the best for us in training spiritually is to regularly attend and engage in a church worship service as it relates to corporate worship. But let's say, again, your schedule doesn't allow it. I think it's beneficial for you to be here tonight if you can't go to Sunday morning. I think it's beneficial. I think it'd be the most beneficial if you could go Sunday morning and be here Sunday night because you're engaging in corporate worship that includes all the five main elements that we discussed earlier in the lesson. So I think there's benefit if you can't gather on Sunday morning to gather like on Sunday nights, gather in FCA to pray with other believers in your class and students around your age. But I think the best benefit, the most benefit you're going to get out of a spiritual discipline of corporate worship is if you engage, regularly attend, and engage in a church worship service. Yes, Joe? Is it a question that can wait in small group? Or for Sunday school? Yeah, so Sunday school, so that that's a great question. So you're like, what if I serve on a Sunday morning, um, Uh, In in Sun Chasers, which is our children's ministry back here. So something like that, you're still attending church regularly because it's not like you're never going out to church on Sunday morning, right? Are you back here all Sundays, every single Sunday? No, you're still attending church at some part and you're still engaging in church as you're serving others. So that is part of attending corporate worship and engaging in the local churches, serving others. So good question. Thanks for asking that. So, practical point. And why I want you to discuss in your small groups, because we're going to go to small groups really soon, is what would it look like? And I want you to think about this. What would it look like for you to practically practice the spiritual discipline of corporate worship? Not just attending, but attending and engaging, and not just engaging. A little bit, or engaging every now and then, but engaging in a corporate worship church service on a regular basis? I want you to think about that question, because I think you're going to talk about it in small groups tonight. So, as you think about that, let's close in prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for all the students who showed up tonight, and I just want to thank you for um, just the topic of Corporate worship as we see what it looks like to live out this call, the command to gather together to worship you, to um, live out the commands of loving you and loving others well. Help us to do that well as we worship you, whether it's in music, whether it's in listening to the teaching, whether it's praying, whether it's communion or baptism on a Sunday morning, God, whether we're just sitting and we are worshiping you in our hearts, God, I pray that we would worship you not on Sundays only, but also throughout the week, that we would engage in the game and engage in the battle that is, um, that we face every single week of our lives. God, help us to love you and love others all. Well. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.